Badger State Banner, 26 January, 1899. Ferdman Thiemann, 10 years old, jumped into a cistern and drowned himself because his sister wanted him to go on an errand. The mother conducts a home for aged Germans at Wauwatosa and was away at the time. Cecilia and Crab. The weedy farmyard had a rusty plow and a wagon with a broken wheel. The water pump was locked with rust, and the windmill creaked uselessly in the wind. The farmhouse door had fallen halfway off its hinges. The glass panes in the windows were broken by holes, punched by stones that boys had thrown at them. There was no one else found in the farmhouse. There was no furniture. There was a bed for her parents with a clean quilt on it. But there were no parents. There were no corpses. There were no papers or books. There was no Bible. There was no way to know who she was or where she came from. Cecilia found the five-year-old child alone in the kitchen on the floor in the corner, rocking on her haunches in her dirty gingham dress. When Cecilia spoke to her, she looked up. She followed Cecilia out of the house, walking sideways. Because of how she walked, Cecilia called her Crab, with affectionate humor. She kept the name. Crab came to live with Cecilia, and Cecilia became her mother, sister, and society. Apart from Cecilia, Crab's world was no bigger than the circumference of her mind, and that mind was lost in sight of her. Crab never talked with her mouth. She spoke to Cecilia by touching her hand, for always standing sideways to her, she would not look at Cecilia, and if seen looking at her, she turned away. Only Cecilia understood her, and Crab only understood Cecilia and no one else. Cecilia and Crab were as opposites that require one another. Bonded as our magnetic poles are bonded through the earth they share, the one mute, the other who sang beautifully to her, the one who could not help herself, and the one who always helped the other, the one who could not embrace, and the other who held her fondly, one wounded, one whole.
And while Crabbe was found in cruel poverty and neglect, Cecilia's childhood had been loving. Her parents, handsome, wealthy, charming, intellectual, kind. As Crabbe's home was desperately grim and desolate, to the opposite was Cecilia's home, a palatial Victorian with stately garden for its vast grounds, or rather, once it had been so grand. Still, though the garden was now in riot and decay, it was lush and ornamental. Though the dominating tower of the Victorian home was now shuttered with clapboard and its stairway unsafe, the whole roof of the house leaking, the aging porch falling, its many unused bedrooms closed, furniture draped, which had not yet been pawned. Yet the ornate fretwork was still splendid and still magnificent, was the dark oak dining room, lofty and large as a ballroom, its enormous sideboard buttressed by colonnades of rampant lions, its spans sculpted elaborately with inexhaustible cornucopia. But, befitting crab simplicity, only a small kitchen table and two kitchen chairs now occupied its spacious grandeur. Just as Crab was found alone, Cecilia also had lived alone until she found Crab. But while Crab did not know and could not remember her name or those matters that caused her to be as she was, Cecilia did know and well remembered her name and what caused her to be as she was. She knew the matter that caused her to be where she was, how it happened, and why. It was the matter about which no one spoke. She herself did not talk about it. The town knew. Each and every person knew and remembered, each and all responsible. But none talked about it. When she came walking to town to buy what she needed, the town's people stepped back into their houses, stopped talking as she passed, and only the grocer's wife would deal with her and tersely take her business. There were no civilities, no casual conversations, nor any semblance of ordinary human intercourse except the empty transaction of money. Apart from these economics of necessity, Cecilia had no part in their society. Even the local minister, a righteous son of temperance, a zealous, passionate evangelist for the Lord, made no effort to embrace her but abjured the topic of her and her family, or the unacknowledged matter, and forbore to enfold her or crab to the bosom of the community of Christ. The matter remained a witness upon the town that ever watched. The matter bore a burden upon the town that ever weighed. Strong guilt resolves to loathing and denial. But what began in hatefulness replenishes that hate unless it is forgiven and redeemed. Guilt shall not relieve itself. Though they who perpetuated the matter put the matter into distance and to doubt the presence of it, like their genes, insinuated their children. The children knew not why they hated her, but they were not scolded when they taunted her. 
They were not punished when they threw stones at her. Therefore, Cecilia avoided the town. But that avoidance would goad these children, as a pacifist would incite violence in spite of himself, as a saint shall arouse her martyrdom. Every day, Crab followed Cecilia with her crab-like walk as Cecilia went through her day. She took food from her, listened to her, and obeyed her, but did nothing for herself except that Cecilia would tell her to do it. Cecilia did all the chores in these ritual days, rising, bathing, and dressing herself and Crab, breakfasting, tending the chickens and the garden, then spending the bulk of the day making dolls she merchandised to the peddler. In good weather, she made them in the gazebo on the great lawn, while Crab idled on the swing chair or played with finished dolls in the shade. These were the gentle rites of time. These were the tender days of constancy and peace. This was the summer of glory in the clouds, of pleasant rains, of soft warmth in golden light. The peddler was her frequent visitor then, making her home the recurrent hub in his wide circuit of travels. He arbitrated her trade with the local town and elsewhere and got for this a lucrative profit in the wholesale of her dolls, for everywhere he went they were beloved. He was, in addition, an unabashed admirer of Cecilia, who was beautiful and young, darkly complexioned and voluptuous. No woman of these rustic territories possessed her exotic, erotic attraction. Like those of a biblical harlot, he thought, like those of Bathsheba. When the peddler spoke to Crab, she turned away and touched Cecilia's hand, and Cecilia, looking at Crab and holding her hand, would translate her silent speech for the peddler. She said, She does not like you, Cecilia said. And this surprised the peddler. She said that she thinks you want to take me away from her. Cecilia said, and she laughed and leaned and kissed the child who brushed the moist kiss from her cheek with annoyance like it was a fly that had landed there. I would like to, admitted the peddler, and warmly took the other hand of Cecilia, who, still holding Crab's hand, smiled well on both of them and squeezed both their hands and asked them if both would like some lemonade. The peddler had a long way to go to the logging camps at Wassa and must spend time to set up trade for his winter run. He said, I'll be sad for you, Crab. And Cecilia lied and told him Crab said she would be sad too. It would be a fortnight before he returned, and there had been a series of terrific late summer thunderstorms on the days before he arrived. He found Many trees had been downed by its severe winds, and they often blocked the roads. When he finally got to Cecilia's gated entrance, late on a hot, humid afternoon, he saw many branches strewn, limbs torn from, whole bodies of ruined elm trees, which had lined the avenue, looping through its once gothic arch in its ruined approach, 
up the great lawn to Cecilia's house. The air was heavy. There was no breeze. He heard the swarm of them before he saw them, shrill and raving, like a maddened hive. And when he saw them, they resembled in the distance a mass of insects clamoring a corpse. He switched his team to hasten the gate and brought out his rifle from beneath his seat. On the lawn beside the gazebo, a mob of children, boys and girls, little children, swarmed the bodies of Cecilia and Crab, who were lying lifelessly, defenseless, as these wicked children beat on them with sticks or kicked them wildly laughing and wildly dancing. Blood bloomed through the clothing of their victims, staining the summery white gowns with their hemorrhages. Blood spattered the faces, hands, and arms of the children. He shot his gun in the air, and the children looked up as one animal. Did you find the treasure? the peddler asked. They sharpened at his words. They drew close. He leapt off his wagon put down his rifle and turned to lead them into the house. It's inside. And the children followed him in a pack. Some broke off to run into the house ahead of them. And while a few stayed with the peddler as he walked steadily to the house, when he entered the house, most of the children went running through its rooms, destroying what they could break, competing for what attracted them and damaging anything lovely or anything not understood for satisfaction of a malice of its own sake. At the great sideboard in the dining room, the peddler announced, Here it is. Many came up to peer at what he found. I found it, said the peddler, turning around and showing them, as all the children now gathered before him. He showed them an oblong ebony box with gold filigree upon its corners, locked with a golden lock. As they watched, he forced the box open, wrenching the lock, and showed them it was empty, and they looked agitated and disappointed. But he said, wait, and turning back to the sideboard, placed it, and while they craned on their toes to see what he did, he rubbed it vigorously then turned back again, holding it before them, and opened it, and showed them the cash it now contained. You see, he said, they saw. He said, it is the magic moneymaker. And he gave them each a dollar bill, and said, wait. And he turned again, and put the box on the sideboard, and rubbed it vigorously, and turned when he was done, and opened it before them, and showed them again the money it had made. Your fathers and mothers will be so happy that you found this. He closed the box and told them, You're such good children. Let's take this magic box to show them, he said, and the children followed him out of the house to his wagon. And he put many of them into it, into the compartment of it, or sitting beside him, while many ran gaily ahead of them back to the town, to show their parents the things that they had taken from the house, and to be the first to tell them about the magic moneymaker. But the peddler would outpace them, 
and though these children running ahead made a shortcut through the woods and crossed the meadow before them, the peddler and all arrived together in one great happy crowd of children surrounding the wagon rolling into town. This was so strange and wondrous that everyone came out of the shops and saloons, women in aprons from their homes, barbers with lather on their razors, and men with lather on their faces, and the minister with his Bible bookmarked by his middle finger. They collected about the children and the peddler who stood up in his wagon while the children excitedly and incomprehensibly chattered. The crowd was hushed as the peddler explained and showed them the magic moneymaker. And opening it, like he might a holy relic, he revealed that it was empty. He looked astonished. He looked dismayed. He looked angrily at the children, and he said, You tricked me. Now, crestfallen and confused, their parents now looked at their children, seeing them spattered with blood and holding objects that did not belong to them. And the peddler then told them what the children had done. And the town was silent as he told them. He left them in that silence. When he returned to Cecilia's house, he found Cecilia and her chemise and petticoats bathing the wounds of Crab and herself in the kitchen. While Cecilia wept, Cecilia held Crab, who herself expressed no sorrow openly. The peddler consoled Cecilia. He promised her, It's finished. He told them the town would not trouble them again. And in fact, it did not. <laughs>